Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Dr. Chantal Lincapontiers, the Chief of the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, UNCTAD, the New York Office of the Secretary General. The published author, scholar, and lecturer is fluent in four European languages in Mandarin. She is an ultramarathon runner and a martial artist with the second done, black belt. Chantal, it's a great pleasure to have you here. It's an honor and a privilege, my dear friend. Uh, of eight years, I can't believe we already know each other that long. So welcome to this program of uh, where we try to change finance and finance change and uh, do whatever we can to create the better future we all want. So welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Mariana, and thank you for all the great work that you do to help you know change, make this this world a better place. <laughs> we only can all we only can get there if we all work together. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for making time out of your busy schedule to join us. So. Post-COVID-19, everyone asked the same question, how can we jumpstart the economy and uh, avoid the regression, the previous regression uh, post-financial crisis, now that we have the opportunity to transform the systems in a better way? So what are your ideas around that? Yeah, well, there's so I have so many ideas, um, as usual, right, Mariana? Um, so let me start by where the UN, you know, the, when we have crisis like this, what happens is, of course, people, creativity and people come together. So that's the positive side. And, you know, the UN, usually we each, each arms doing its own thing. And we all came together uh, to have a, a coherent socioeconomic response to the COVID-19. And one of the, of course, there's the immediate help reaction so supporting health um in in all countries but then also protecting people and their jobs right um and that's the major the second major pillar but then we get to the economic response and the recovery which is of of very importance here and protecting the job of the small medium-sized enterprises informal workers women that are really uh, affected by the covid 19 as well as the youth and then um as part of our response, we also have a macroeconomic response and multilateral response because many of these problems and we saw the economy of the world collapse within two months. And so that means we have systemic issues with our financial, economic and trade system that need to be addressed. And so that's another piece of that socioeconomic response. And then which is very interesting and heartening is this the social cohesion and community resilience that is needed because when we at the beginning of COVID country all went down even the EU everybody went down to nationalist own let's protect our own um, and often that has come from the, the local communities and so and and yet at the, at the opposite what we're observing is many government are using this as a an opportunity to crack down on these communities and the 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 right to speak and the right to um to aggregate to to congregate and so we felt it was really important if we want to succeed to have it to support as the un system the social cohesion and the community resilience another thing that came out that was very interesting um mariana is 
Um, we have at the UN a group of friends on sustainable financing and financing the SDGs that was started by Canada and Jamaica, uh, bringing different group of countries together. And then post-pandemic, post I'm sorry, <laughs> what they realized is that we need to actually take a different governance approach to many of these issues because the way we've been doing through the G20, the G7, um, and at the PTO, it's, it's just stalled. It's not working, right? And so they basically used that group of friends on SDG financing to say, let's, let, let's try a new governance model here. We know we need, to, we need to look at global liquidity and financial stability. But instead of going to the G20 where we've not made some progress, why don't we create informal group of smaller and larger economies as well as um, more developed and less developed economies so we can come up with solutions that actually are appealing to everyone and actually can respond to the need of everyone. And so this group was just launched last week. Um, and so it's going to be, we have six um, areas that will be uh, co chair by, by 12 countries, and then all countries can actually contribute, and they're supported by the international community. So you love to hear these six areas, Mariana. Global liquidity and financial stability, as I just mentioned. Debt vulnerability, huge right now. Private sector creditor engagement. External finance for inclusive growth. Illicit financial flows. Imagine if all these billions of dollars that are being now in, 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 par in, in uh, paradise and in, in tax haven, these countries could actually use those to invest in education and health uh, and medicine. And the sixth one, recovering better for sustainability. And so we literally have a group and no surprise, Mariana, that mo a lot of countries have signed up to that one. First of all, probably less political and easy, <laughs> easier, though we've not, it's not been easy as we all know for those of us that spent our career in that area, but easier in a way to basically bring idea. So, it's a long answer to your question, but um, I do believe that, um, and then what we're gonna do is because people have been asking us at the UN, so does that mean then, Chantal Lynn, that the SDGs are now behind us and the 2030 agenda no longer um, is, is the, the roadmap that we have? And on the contrary, the Secretary General of the UN, my Secretary General Angtad have all said, if we had made more progress on the SDGs, on universal access to help, for instances, and universal uh, social protection floor, we would not be where we are right now with this COVID-19 crisis. And so on the contrary, we are redoubling on the SDGs as the roadmap and the guideposts for the recovery. And I was very heartened to know that the EU is basically basing their recovery package on their green um, green new deal and their green and so we hope and there's several countries that have said they would do so not enough and we just need to keep pushing on that wow this is very um, very empowering thank you so much for for driving this and for sharing that with us so uh, from uh, from the um, finance innovation perspective uh, how can we implement these what are the acupuncture points uh, and the measurement criteria that would help make sure that these six areas are going to be implemented. Yeah, and that's a very good point. So one is, for instance, um, there are some, some key weaknesses or key fault line that we have, right? One is, you know, no surprise here, Mariana, lack of diversity in decision-making. 
And at least this structure is actually addressing one of them, which is developing countries being at the table. Now, I will hope, and so far we've seen that there's more women at the table as well. But we should also have people of colors and people of, you know, from First Nation. And we, the more diverse these group will be, the more chance we have to have, um, first of all, the, all of the humanities creativity put to the service of humanity, but second, to come up with the innovation that we need and meet the needs of all people. Um, we also need to scale up and accelerate the knowledge on experience on green and inclusive opportunities. There is not enough out there. So for instance, when we were, and then the third one, of course, is, is perception of risk in green, inclusive investment, as well as in uh, developing countries, which are totally skewed, right? And so what we're trying to do, and we just issued our word investment report, and there, and, Earlier in the year, we had our financing for development report that the whole UN work on. And there's a few concrete solutions that we put forward. One of them is we need to develop more sustainably teamed capital market product dedicated to the SDGs and the recovery. So, Mariana, our Sustainable Stock Exchange Initiative has documented that just in Q1 of 2020, we had more social bond um, reissued related to COVID-19 than all of 2019 social uh, sustainability and social bond. This is a good trend and we hope this is going to keep moving in that direction, right? Because it's so much easier with debt instrument like this to actually target them and, and into the real, especially in developing countries, in the areas where we need them. Now, what about flipping the burden of, of responsibility on the financial advisors and have them as mandated that they have to ask investors on their sustainable financing preferences. That would, add, that would go a long way because we need to change the demand as well and not just the supply. Now, we're also working at, with the Global Investment for uh, Alliance for Sustainable Development on a definition for um, what sustainable investing means. That's going to help also because now, as you we see a lot of things coming out, and got you know, it's not clear what is what is sustainable impact and not. So we need to have that definition as well. We're also working, especially at Antad, on on reorienting national investment promotion and facilitation strategies toward SDG investment, and working with the investment promotion agencies. Uh, the outbound one and inbound one to help them because they're not trained to develop these bankable projects that are sustainable, inclusive, and aligned with the SDGs. So working on training them fast, going forward quickly on this. Another area that we're working really um, um, is on regional SDG investment. Because oftentimes what happened, Mariana, you know, we, we have a very skewed uh, foreign direct investment going to the small island developing countries, the LDCs, the LLDCs. First, they have small market, perceived risk is high. But if we could aggregate them into a regional and then have a fund that is regional, it would make it easier actually for the investors and for the recipient because they could learn from one another. We also in that lane working on establishing special economic zone as we had in the past for investment to facilitate investment. But in this case, that would be aligned with the SDGs and focus on circular economy. Because if you're going to have this special economic zone, it's much easier to aggregate the, if you are producing something and one of the ways from your production can be an input in my production, makes it so much easier. And then we can scale up learning as well. So we're, we're, we're thinking of all of these areas. Uh, of course, what we're going to need is what? 
make mandatory risk disclosure of climate related. But now I was just reading a report released yesterday from uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund and Pension Public Pension Fund, and they all failed the resilience test. Some of them did better on governance, some of them did better on sustainability, but we really need those to go a long way on the resilience and on the, on the um, sustainability. And we need to change mindset. I am flabbergasted that we're still in our business school not teaching. We're teaching our students in business school for the one billion market that is the developed economy. And then we're basically saying ignore the five billion. You know, we did a study that shows that only 12% of all business cases in business school worldwide are, are targeted towards developing countries. All the other ones. So this, this is to the, to the 1 billion. And then 12% of the case studies are towards the 5 billion people. We're not teaching, we're teaching high margin, low volume. What about teaching also to address, going back to the innovation idea, these frugal innovation, bottom-up, pro-poor innovation that would be low margin, high volume, and actually address all of these issues that the SDGs are trying to, um, that we're trying to achieve with the SDGs. So sorry for going on on this, but it's, it's, as you can tell, this is an area that we're both passionate about and been working on, and we need to put these ideas out there and get moving. Well, that's, uh, thank you so much for summarizing. So let me, let me make sure I understood. So one is the taxonomy, which uh, gravitates around the implementation of the UN SDGs within planetary boundaries. Number two is the benchmarks. How do we measure that you know, we're fulfilling the taxonomy and the requirements? Number three is uh, the disclosures. And then of course, that all supports the capital moving down um, to where it is needed and creating supply of these financial instruments that are aligned with this taxonomy, but also inciting the consumer, awareness of the consumer, so they demand more of these instruments as well. Right, brilliant. And I totally agree with you uh, that you know, we need to scale. So, which brings us to the next topic, which is of course a passion of mine, that's entrepreneurship. And 90% of all businesses are small and medium enterprises, not the big ones. And uh, they are responsible for more than 55% of the GDP worldwide. Um, and of course, the jobs that we desperately need to create <laughs> right now. So how do you uh, plan to de-risk? As you know, this is my passion, uh, de-risking better uh, criteria, uh, going integrating financial sustainability with people, planet, profit, the UN SDGs within planetary boundaries. What are your thoughts around that? How to better de-risk, uh, particularly this, you know, the bottom at the pyramid? Yeah. And... I think, you know, I'm not sure I can address the D-risk because I really think this is your expertise and not mine, but let me, let me <laughs> su summarize a little bit. We just had the, we just celebrated the International Day of Small Medium Enterprises um, on the 27th. Uh, and we had a, a celebration on the 25th. And one, a few things that came out is first, finally, after all this time, after the COVID-19, all of the government around the world have finally realized that they create, as you said, 60 to 70 percent of the job, 50 percent of GDP, 95 percent of the enterprises, so they can't be ignored. So thank God, we're get there, we're there. <laughs> now the question is, what do we do? And so some of the proposals that were put forward during the, 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 um, the International Day celebration was, on the one hand, we need to help them go back to work safely. 
So we need to provide them the tool. They're not the large multinational that can actually have all these tools and hands. So we're working in developing those tools with our colleagues at ILOs and others. So that's on the one hand. Second is, of course, how do we protect, um, how do we make it the financial burden on them, right? Um, and I was heartened to see that in the U.S., the first wave of stimulus, pa stimulus package was mainly done through um, the, um, the, the tra traditional banks. And they basically did, mostly did not reach SMEs. The second wave of the stimulus package was they actually used the fintech. And many of the fintech that were used actually were able to reach the MSMEs and give these small but so important grant of the, you know, on average $28,000. They were a loan that can be converted in grant depending on conditions and with guarantees from the government. They were able to reach the MSMEs that the bank could not reach, but even MSMEs that they didn't have relation with them and be able to establish these relations because we all know the SMEs have been kind of behind in, in that digitalization of the economy and getting, but this is kind of forcing them to do it, accelerating that. And so the FinTech really holds a great, so one of the company um, was basically lending them on, uh, on their balance sheet. Now, another thing that came out on, uh, from the uh, meeting was, can we just do them a favor and stop penalizing an MSMEs and could the multinational pay them on invoice instead on 30 days or 60 days um, terms? I mean, there are so many things that we can actually that would de-risk um, by just being more cognizant of the value and they're the social fabric of our community so we have to support them. Now we also have bad news that many of them will not survive um, the, the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown. Many of them owned by women that were smaller and, and, and so what are we going to do about that, right? And how can we help them provide them the retraining and, and the capacity to develop their next um, generation businesses. So, so these are some of the things that came out from, from that meeting. We all know that only 2% of VC money goes to women-owned companies in the U.S. Um, if you're a woman of color, it's less than 0.05%. We need dedicated funds that go to women-owned companies, to go, that goes to MSMEs, and even one of the ideas that came up is an international fund, and then there, a grand, more granular one at the regional and national level, fund that already there with windows for women, windows for different air issues. Um, in, as soon as a crisis hit, because this is, the, this is not the first nor the last pandemic we're gonna have. We have, also, we have financial crisis, the volatility of the market is increasing. We need to have measures in place to support these MSMEs um, as soon as the, as the crisis hit, so they can actually turn around and keep those jobs and keep, keep these um, um, salaries being paid. Wow, that sounds so empowering. I'm so happy to hear that from you. So moving forward, what are partnerships, for instance, uh, that we, you know, we could support developing that could help this implementation? What are your ideas? With whom should we partner with? And what, uh, what can, uh, for instance, Silicon Valley do? Uh, technology, that's extremely important. We all know that, you know, without technology, yeah, yeah. we don't have this conversation. So what kind of partnerships should we um, request and develop? Well, I think there's several of them. So one of them is so far we focus on MSMEs as, oh, they create job and they create economic growth and that's wonderful. But MSMEs are more nimble, more creative and they can actually 
pivot more easily than multinational and larger company. So what if we were to develop a partnership between the business school, the financial system, the international organization, and empower them to be able to provide the innovation and the solution to achieve the SDGs. The million of people that are, don't have access to modern energy, the millions of people without access to sanitation, education, health, and empower them to be so, in, at the one hand, they can actually develop their business. Um, at the, on the other hand, they actually help us solve our problem, right? And we address the issues of inequality. So what would that take? Well, we need business school to teach these, these the bottom of the pyramid type approach and the, you know, the low margin, high volume that we discussed earlier. Then we need a financial sector to help us, but we also to, to actually ensure that they have access to this capital to, to invest in these markets that are perceived as being, and sometimes they're just perceived, sometimes they're more risky, sometimes they're just perceived as more risky. Um, and then the third pillar of this is oftentimes, um, we used to have, you know, a coal power plant. So the, comp the, the Ministry of Energy would go to the World Bank, ask for a few million dollar bone, um, uh, grant, uh, sorry, to, loan, and then basically there's three, four partners and they build the power plant and the grid and that's it. Now with the decentralized electri electricity, decentralized solution, the ecosystem is much broader than it used to be. You have the local communities, the foundation, the international community, you have the investors, innovator, the engineer, <laughs> and you need all these people to come together. And typically the people, the engineer that developed the solution are not the best one at interacting with other people. So how do we create these ecosystem? And, and I believe that the Silicon Valley and the Cambridge of the world also tend to develop these technologies that may be less adapted for developing countries for those markets, but they do have the business and financial solution for scaling that in developing countries may have more adapted solution, but not those business. So how do we bring this together? So we have the, the right affordable, reliable um, solution at the, at the, at, at, that can actually be financed and scaled and right now we're not there so i'm that's my dream of 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 getting that done yeah we have you. the same dream yeah and because it's basically breaking out uh, the breaking the silo thinking which is exactly yeah we need to more people who have the ability to think in a complex way and also provide solution from a complex uh, perspective Exactly. Yeah. And you know that, Mariana, regarding that, what's interesting about the SDGs, because a lot of people are like, well, you know, will that work? And it's so they're so ambitious. And, and there's a few things to be said when we go back to the silos. One is every four years for the first time in our lifetime, all of our heads of state have to be brief on sustainable development. That's, that's an achievement in itself. And that's not, you know, that's, that's helping. Second, 155 countries now prepared a voluntary national review and presented to the world in, in, at the high-level political forum that will start next week. And that means, and many of these countries, as they start doing their consultation with their constituencies and developing plan, create new institutions that break the silos. Because they do by doing that, they realize they won't get there if they just talk to the energy ministry on energy, education to education ministry. And so they create oftentimes right under the president or the prime minister an, an institutional um, structure that is 
their job is to actually bring all of the line ministries together, the, 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 the private sector, the NGOs, and the, all the groups, this, the relevant stakeholders together to come to this solution. And that really, really gets me, gets me uh, excited and, and give me hope that we will get there. It's gonna take time, but it, it, these can have transformational changes in the way we think and the way we develop policies that are truly green and inclusive. Which, which brings us to, uh, to the mind shift uh, conversation that you, uh, you had uh, you named earlier. That's how the mind shift changes. So last question, I know you, you've got to go and thank you for uh, your generosity with time and ideas and wisdom. So um, in a, what, what are your most important wishes that if they were fulfilled uh, you know, within the next 10 years, we will create the future that we all want on this planet? Well, as you know, uh, since we've met, I, I'm very, I'm very, um, um, I think that the work that you guys have done and the Club of Rome has done and these five areas that you've identified are, are key, you know, massive investment in, in, in decarbonization and renewable energy, agriculture, nutritious and sustainable and cultural and food um, and inequality, addressing gender equality uh, and general inequality and then the economic model. That's exactly what we're talking about. But for years, we kept hearing that we don't have the money to do this and we don't have the resources. Well, guess what? We just added $7.8 trillion dump on our economy, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I mean, that was helicopter drop. And so we have that money. So we just need to make sure we put pressure on our decision makers. And I was just on a uh, webinar with the Youth Council of Canada, with two of our ministers, Minister of the Environment and Youth and uh, Indigenous People on Sunday. And that's exactly what we were talking about. How can the youth put pressure on our decision makers so that we, this crisis doesn't go to waste and that actually these massive investments are actually going into decarbonization, renewable energy, sustainable agriculture. But there's a few others, right? We're going to need a, a standstill on debt and on rating agencies. You saw that Canada basically put all this money to support the population and, and our people, and the rating agency just degraded our, 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 our rating, making it more difficult and more expensive for Canada to borrow money. We should probably start thinking about, we're in a, in a world crisis here. Should we really have the rating agencies start downgrading countries? That's right. We need to remove fossil fuel, fisheries, and agricultural subsidies. Now is the time. Look, we won't have the money. Let's remove them and put them towards green subsidies for agriculture, green subsidies for renewable, and green subsidies um, uh, for, for fisheries as well. We need to price externalities. Um, and so until we, we do that, we're not going to have the cost of our, our goods and services will not reflect the true cost of society. We need to use procurement policies to help our MSMEs, I believe, um, and ensure that our pension fund and our foreign, our, our uh, sovereign wealth fund are actually going in the same direction as we do and help us invest in research and development and nature-based solution that will actually get help us get there and get more women in the decision-making. <laughs> so, so, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if you saw our Deputy Secretary General had a, uh, a, a speaking engagement two days ago, and she literally said, following a few readouts she had on women economists and some of the stellar 
performance of some of our heads of state that happen to be women, that she started a series of women economists to come up with new solution to the issues. So another good step in the right direction. So. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, may all your and our wishes uh, become true. Thank you so very much for your generosity, your time, your wisdom, Thank your golden nuggets. I really, really appreciate your being on the program. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Mariana. And thank you for the work you do. And, you know, let's all work together. We can do this, but we can do it together. Absolutely. Thank you thank so you. much. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.